And welcome back to Nerd is the New Cool Podcast. I'm Justin. And I'm Josh. Josh, how we doing? Doing good. Doing good. You know, weekend's almost over. Gotta head back to school. So Three-day weekend, though. Those are always the best. Yeah. Those are the best. Been able to spend some family time? Yeah, you know, went to lunch today with some family that I haven't seen in a while, and just get to hang out and relax after some football. So, always good. What about you? Cool. Yeah, same thing. Just hanging out with the wife and relaxing and trying not to do... Too much, getting caught up on emails, you know, all good good stuff. All that fun stuff, yeah. So today, everyone, you're just stuck with Josh and I. We're just doing a solo solo podcast. Yeah, no no guests. exciting guests today. No guests Sorry. today. Um, but I think it's going to be a good one nonetheless. So let's jump into it. First off, let's talk a little bit about what we just nerded out on. So I have, I read a book. Wow. <laughs> I'm shocked. Stop the presses. I, I read. I read. I just, you know, I, I, there's a lot of great shows out there, and so... I'm reading and watching shows and movies and doing all types. I really just try and watch, try and get involved with all, all areas of media. Yeah, good. <laughs> um, I finished this book I've been working on for a while. It's, it's a fiction novel. It's called Prince Lestat and the Realms of Atlantis. For you, what is a while? <laughs> well, I finished other books in between this one, but I, I've, this one's been about a year nice. since I picked it. Maybe even longer, actually. No, it's been... It came out in November. So this book came out November 29th, 2016. I'm pretty sure I got it within a month of it coming out. So it's been it's been over two and a half years. You know, some of my problem is when I go to a bookstore, I'll buy like eight books. And then I normally finish them within about two months. But, yes. Yeah. Well, I've had a stack of books, and I kind of make my way through some of them. And then this one in particular, I – well, I just took a while to get to it and finish it. Well, what's it about? So – it's 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 continue it's continue, yeah, continuation of the Anne Rice Vampire Chronicle series, and this is actually the twelfth in the series, and it's written as both a first person person and third person narrative. So the whole plot basically is this this vampire named Lestat. And if you've ever seen like you've seen an interview with the vampire, yeah, we've talked about it on the podcast. Yeah, before. yeah, that's so right. We listeners talk- will remember that, of course. Right, of course. So we talked about interview with the vampire, and so this is. If that's book one, this is book twelve, and and that makes sense. Obviously, this is this would be movie twelve. Nice job. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm struggling today for some reason. The whole concept is that he he basically is in charge of all of these undead vampires, but he is kind of at war with this weird, ancient, otherworldly form that's kind of basically like it's what keeps all of the vampires being vampires and not just dying and lighting on fire and basically not existing anymore. So. His name, um, well, I don't want to spoil a whole lot of things, but basically it ends up being this whole background story of what, what they call Atlantea. Basically, it's Atlantis, right? And a different storytelling of it. And anyway, there, it's just a lot of drama, and it's, it's different different creatures are having to deal with, and it's just kind of getting through those struggles. So I personally like it. I'm big into these, into the Anne Rice Vampire Chronicles. I like it also because it's, not no one's sparkling as we've talked about before. Yeah. It's, it's slightly horror. But you are a Twilight fan. I like I didn't I didn't hate the books. They weren't terrible. I did hate the last book because the way it ended was like, oh I guess we're gonna have this big fight. No, let's not fight. And then just ended. So it's different from the movie to where they have the big fight and then it really didn't happen. I actually really enjoyed that part of the of the I last hated film. that movie because of that reason. Because there was this this imagining of the fight. Yes, and then it doesn't happen. Very frustrating. But if you think about it, well, that's true. But if you think about it, though, I know we're going on a tangent. That one 
uh, what was her name? Renezme, the I, kid. I'm not a big enough fan of Twilight to remember their names. Well, the kid, basically, her when she touches people, she can. No, I'm sorry. The main vampire, when when he touches people, he can like see into people's brains, and she could like see. I think it was see into like the future or like what was going to happen, how it was going to unfold. And as a result, he was able to see like if I start this fight, this is what's going to happen to me. And so they basically played out what he what his visions were. I thought it was interesting the way they it made me hate that movie less than I would have already hated it based on the way I knew it was going to end. Okay. Sorry. You're a you're a Twilight fan. What? We what, get it. Well, anyway, Prince Lestat and the Realms of Atlantis. There actually is another the thirteenth novel that I'm currently working on. Hopefully, it doesn't take me two and a half years. I'll talk about that at some point in the future. What have you nerded out on? So for me, I just nerded out on Coco. You seen it? I have, yeah. It's great. Coco is a fantastic movie, and it's an original Disney movie, which shows that it is possible, Disney, to still make good movies without stealing my childhood and remaking these movies. Okay, so Coco, much better than Lion King, the new one, or Aladdin, the new one, because they suck. You haven't seen these films. I can tell you that they suck. You cannot say that. You can say, in your opinion, you believe that they're going to suck. I will not waste my time or money. That's fine, but people who have seen them like myself, will attest to they're actually not that bad. We have different tastes in movies. You can't have a taste in something you haven't seen. Creativity is the way to go, especially for Disney movies. This is a whole podcast for another time, I think. No, I think it's important that we lay the groundwork for this. You haven't seen it, so you can't necessarily – you can say you don't appreciate them because the originals you believe are going to be better. You want to waste your time. But you can't say you don't like it because you haven't seen it. I – can say I don't like them based on the trailers that I've seen, because they look terrible. So good. We're we're gonna loop around back to that. That's yeah. gonna play into later on. Today. Anyway, <laughs> back to Coco, which I love and my daughter loves. Coco is about Miguel, who is confronted with his family's ancestral ban on music, and he enters the land of the dead to find his great great grandfather, who is a legendary singer. It's set in Mexico. It's really it's a great movie. It has a funny dog in it, so obviously I like it for that fact. But yeah, I love this movie. It debuted on 22 November 2017. It was created and written by Leon Grich and Jason Katz. And some of the stars of the movie are Anthony Gonzalez as Miguel, Gael Garcia Bernal as Hector, Benjamin Bratt. I didn't realize that Benjamin Bratt is Ernesto de la Cruz, and Alana Ubach as Mama Imelda. So, so again, some thoughts. It's got a lot of good music. It, it's a father-daughter movie at its core, so obviously I've cried in this movie. Of course. We all know that, yes. So I cried uh, Friday when Abby and I watched it. I was crying. So, <laughs> recommend you see it. It's a great movie. Yeah, I think it was also real, well received because it was a lot of Mexican Spanish, mm-hmm. you know, culture and actors and actresses. Yeah, and a lot of Mexican people came out and said that hey, this they really did a good job of our portraying the culture. They did a great job of it too, and not whitewashing it. Yeah, which is what Disney and really all studios have gotten in trouble with in the past. So I think that was well done. Yeah, for sure. So what we're going to talk about today, and hopefully we're just having some some very spirited conversations at some point, (laughs) but we're going to discuss, in our opinions, some very motivational and inspirational speeches in media. And and these aren't necessarily our favorites, but they're ones that we believe are, I don't know, influential in some way. Maybe they are our favorites. We'll get to that kind of as we talk about them. Yeah. So let's start with our honorable mentions. So I'm not going to... I'll only do the ones in the particular voice that I know for sure. I know very well. Is that fair? Should we That's do that? Fair. Let's, yeah. let's say that right now. 
So one that's really well known, especially if you're a sports movie aficionado, is Gene Hackman in Hoosiers. He says, if you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says at the end of the game. In my book, we're going to be winners. Yeah, and then we're going to talk more about Eric Taylor later, but one of his favorite quotes in the show Friday Night Lights, clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. A friend of mine has a fantasy football team named Clear Eyes, Full Hearts. It's a great show. One of the best shows ever made. I didn't know that's where it came from until this very second. Look at that. Well, now you can give him a hard time. I, I definitely will. Gordon Gecko in Wall Street, he says, The point is, ladies and gentlemen, that greed, for lack of a better word, is good. Greed is right. Greed works. And then we've got Andy in Shawshank Redemption, which is on TV 25 times a day. It's a great movie, though, so it's not a complaint. But I guess it comes down to a simple choice, really. Get busy living or get busy dying. You know, I have that movie on DVD. I have it on my Apple um, account. But I only watch it when it's on TNT or TBS. Yeah. <laughs> Please, in your next quote, do the voice of this quote. And lying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that one for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell your enemies they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. Excellent. William. William. Listeners, of course, know that because we've talked about Braveheart. William Wallace, Braveheart. Yep. One of my all-time faves, I think everybody's heard this, we're fighting for our right to live, to exist, and should we win the day, the 4th of July will no longer be known as an American holiday, but as a day when the world declared in one voice, we will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. We're going to live on. We're going to survive. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. When he, when, he, when he delivers that line, he sounds a lot like JFK. Yes. He says, we will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. Like It's very monotone, mm-hmm. but also with certain voice inflictions. I don't know. I, I love that film. That is, by the way, President Whitmore in Independence Day, for those of you that did not know that. Yeah, Bill Pullman. Yes. All right. My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius, commander of the armies of the north, general of the Felix Legions, loyal servant to the true emperor, Marcus Aurelius. Father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. Great movie again. That, of course, is Maximus Decimus Meridius in Gladiator. Yeah, this is one that I don't know the voice, so I'm just going to read it. There's much more before it, but, well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to riot. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being, GD. My life has value. So I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. I'm that, mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. That is from Beal in Network. So I heard you say GD. Shouldn't it be GD it? It should be GD it. Yes, I was not going to uh, <laughs> disgrace my lord by saying I that I just term. wanted to make sure people knew what, they, yes. what you were saying. Okay, when you said yes. That. Here's a really great one. Will Smith delivering it as Bagger Vance. Inside each and every one of us is our true, is our one true authentic swing. Sometime, something we were born with. Something that's ours and ours alone. Something that can't be learned. Something that's got to be remembered. And then the last one. 
I think I added this because I'm sure you're a big fan of this movie, but it's so bad that it's so good in this movie. It is from Rocky Balboa and Rocky Four. I came here tonight. I didn't know. I can't do. I can't do a Stallone voice. Hey, I, I, yeah, <laughs> you're doing I can't do. Good. That's I good. didn't know what to expect. I seen a lot of people hate me, and I didn't know what to feel about that. So I guess they didn't like me much. Nothing either. During this fight, I've seen a lot of changing. The way yous feel about me, and in the way I felt about yous. In here, we're two guys killing each other. But I guess that's better than 20 million. I guess what I'm trying to say is that if I can change, and you can change, everybody can change. That was well done. I'm like, I almost fell out of my chair, just so you know. That is Sly Stallone, which he's coming out in another Rambo movie. Who knew? Yeah. There's another Rambo movie coming out. Like Final Blood or Last Blood? Yeah, like The Last Blood or something, which the first Rambo movie, incredible. I haven't seen any of the other ones. First Blood. Yeah, First Blood. Was it First Blood? First Blood. That's the first one. It's amazing. I haven't seen any of the other ones, really. I've seen parts, but. Yeah. (laughs) All right. All right. So we're going to jump into our four quotes that we chose. And I think, I know the reason why I chose mine is that they were going to be either one's inspirational, one is very thought-provoking. Maybe controversial. Definitely controversial. Definitely. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah. Did you just try and do a Rocky voice there again? <laughs> sure it sound like it. All right. It's going to be Sly Stallone the rest of the episode, I yeah. think. Yeah. Oh, that'd be amazing. I, would, I wouldn't be able to get through it, though. All right. Here's my quote. It's Kurt Russell delivering it as Herb Brooks in the film Miracle. Quote is, Great moments are born from great opportunity. And that's what you hear but that's what you have here tonight, boys. That's what you've earned here tonight. One game. If we played them ten times, they might win nine. But not this game. Not tonight. Tonight we skate with them. Tonight we stay with them. And we shut them down because we can. Tonight we are the greatest hockey team in the world. You were born to be hockey players, every one of you, and you were meant to be here tonight. This is our time. Their time is done. It's over. I'm sick and tired of hearing about what a great hockey team the Soviets have. Screw them. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. I want to run through a wall right now. I love that speech. Yeah. I love that movie. I bet in real life he probably didn't say screw them, if I, if I could guess. but yeah. I have a feeling that's the case as well. I, I just got fired up just listening. I know. To I'm, I'm ready to go run through a wall right now. Let's do it. So let's, look through, let's do some background. Miracle is a Disney movie released on February 6, 2004. It's directed by Gavin O'Connor and written by Eric Guggenheim. Honestly, they have really no, nothing to note for previous credits. So we mm. just kind of couldn't find anything. Yeah, nothing I thought anyone would know. It stars, as I mentioned, Kurt Russell as coach, Herb Brooks. The Miracle on Ice, like the, the, the whole plot of the film... It's based around a medal round game during the men's ice hockey tournament at the 1980 Winter Olympics in Lake Placid, New York. It's played between the hosting United States and the four-time defending gold medalist, the Soviet Union. Four-time defending. That's crazy. Yeah, and I think a lot of people don't realize that it was not the gold medal game. I think that always gets kind of lost in translation, that it was just the medal round game. Oh, more more on that in a little bit. But the Soviet Union had won the gold medal in five of the six previous Winter Olympic Games and were the favorites to win once more in Lake Placid. The team had mainly professional players who had significant experience in international play. So they were, like, loaded and ready to go. Right. Meanwhile, the United States team basically consisted of all amateur players and was the youngest team in the tournament. 
and actually in U.S. national team history. Yeah. And in the group stage, so you had the, the experienced Soviets, they were undefeated, and the U.S. teams, the U.S. team was undefeated. So they were both pretty good in this time period. Right. And actually, prior to the game, ABC requested that it be rescheduled from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern time so that it could be broadcast live in primetime hours. However, the IIHF declined the request after the Soviets complained that it would cause the, the game to air at 4 a.m. Moscow time as opposed to 1 a.m. Moscow time, which makes sense. This is an international game. Oh, how the times have changed, isn't it? That could never happen today. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, what do you mean? Like, like we would just dictate what time yeah. it airs, and that's yeah. that's the end you, of the story. I mean, I, I had to get up last Olympics for like a four o'clock hockey game. So. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, so as a result of that, ABC decided not to broadcast the game live for the U.S. audience, and instead, tape delayed it for broadcast during its prime time block of Olympics coverage. So, I mean, I would assume that there are outlets that told would tell people like what happened, and then you had to watch this game basically not live. Yeah. Which is crazy. But also, think back, it's like 1980, you didn't have Twitter, social media, so you probably didn't get to see it as much. It's a much it would have been much harder, I would think, to get out that they won. That's probably true. I mean, they did read newspapers, though. Yeah. I, you're right. It wasn't instantaneous. Yeah, like today you would know. Like, you would see on Twitter yeah. what happened. Right. So, before the game aired, as a matter of fact... The Olympics host, Jim McKay, stated that, hey, this game's already happened, but we're not going to spoil its results. And I've talked to, like, for example, my dad, he, he said he watched it and he didn't know who won, and it was a great game to watch. So I would bet most people didn't know what happened. Yeah, my dad said the same thing. And actually, just a little bit about the game. The first period, they were tied at 2-2. The Soviets led after the second period, 3-2. And the U.S. team scored two goals during the third period, winning the game 4-3. to yeah, and in the movie, they really do an amazing job of the hockey and just showing how it went. Highly recommend watching it. Speaking of that, under Olympic rules, they had had a group game with Sweden, was kind of along with the medal round versus the Soviet Union and Finland. So the United States, they could have finished first place or they could have not medaled at all and been fourth place. Yeah, so that's what's crazy is that we talk about that game and obviously beating the Soviets at the time is incredible. But they were trailing the next game against Finland 2-1, to one, and if they hadn't won that game, they wouldn't have gotten the gold medal. Yeah. And so, But again, like in typical U.S. fashion that year, they came back and won 4-2. to two. Yeah, and then I, I love this. According to Mike Ruzioni, who was the captain of the, the hockey team, Herb Brooks came in during the second intermission, and he said, quote, if you lose this game, you'll take it to your effing graves. But he said the word. He then walked towards the locker room door, paused, looked over his shoulder, and said to them again, your effing graves. It wasn't just the U.S. coach that was pretty pissed off, or I should say the captain, um, getting yelled at by the U.S. coach. Also happened in the Soviet locker room. Uh, Tikhanov, who was their, he was their coach, he singled out first-line players Trediak, Karlamov, Petrov, and Mikhailov, and told each of them, this is your loss. Yeah, and then two days after the miracle on ice, the Soviets defeated Sweden 9-2, to and they won the silver medal. They were so upset about the silver medal that they didn't even turn their medals in to get their names engraved. That's how upset they were. Yeah. So let's kind of wrap this up. I mean, this is... I'm not sure we know that it's a word-for-word quote from actual Herb Brooks, but here are some things that he did do. 
Before the game, Brooks read his players a statement he had written out on a piece of paper, telling them that you were born to be a player, you were meant to be here, the moment is yours. Brooks, he actually said he believed they could win and later said the Russians were ready to cut their own throats. But we had to get to the point to be ready to pick up the knife and hand it to them. So the morning of the game, I called the team together and told them it's meant to be. This is your moment, and it's going to happen. It's kind of corny, and, and, and apparently he, he said later on he thought the players were probably saying, here goes Herb again, but they ended up leaving it, and obviously they won. Yeah. Yeah, this is just a phenomenal. It's one of the best sports movies. I mean, it's a great movie, great story. So improbable that if somebody made a movie about it and it wasn't real, you'd be like, that didn't happen. Yeah. You know, so I, in the speech, I, it's just great. I love it. And there's another film made in the 80s that also, I think it was actually called Miracle on Ice. Mm-hmm. That yeah. uh, it said Steve Gutenberg in it. He plays, he plays the goalie. So anyway. Cool. Great story. Yes. All right, what do you got for us? So my first quote that I picked, I'm a big Friday Night Lights fan. I've talked about it on this, at this show before. Uh, the couple is basically my wife and myself in the show. So the quote is from Kyle Chandler as Eric Taylor. And it's at the end of episode one. Give all of us gathered here tonight the strength to remember that life is so very fragile. We are all vulnerable, and we will all, at some point in our lives, fall. We will all fall. We must carry this in our hearts, and that what we have is special. That it can be taken from us, and when it is taken from us, we will be tested. We will be tested to our very souls. We will all now be tested. It is these times, it is this pain, that allows us to look inside ourselves. Just, I rewatched this episode the other night for like the 400th time, and man, the quote. Just such a cool ending with this quote. But, yeah, it's pretty powerful. I, I really like Kyle Chandler. A little bit of background that the show is actually based on a 2004 movie, which is based on a book, and it debuted the show in 2006 on NBC. It was created by Peter Berg, and if you don't know Peter Berg, he also was involved with Lone Survivor and Friday Night Lights. And those are just the, the shows and movies that he created. He's also been an actor and director. Yeah, he's, he's, been, he's been pretty famous. He's in tons of stuff. Yes. Look him up. Yeah, stars Kyle Chandler as Eric Taylor, Connie Britton as Tammy Taylor, Taylor Kitsch as Tim Riggins, and Gaius Charles as Smash Williams. And the show ran for five seasons. Taylor Kitsch, he played Gambit in that one Wolverine movie. He did. He was also in True Detective Season 2. Yeah. yeah. Watching True Detective Season 3 right now. It is amazing. I have to watch. It's on the list. I will be nerding out on that in Next the future. Time. Connie Britton and Brad Leland both had roles in the original Friday Night Lights movie, which was also, again, directed by series creator Peter Berg. Their roles were identical to those they have in the series, which is The Coach's Wife, and a football booster, respectively. I mean, is that good? I know you've seen the series and you've watched the movie. The movie's pretty darn good too. Oh, the movie's amazing, but yeah. do those characters? Is it does it make? Is it okay that they are like crossover characters? Yeah, they're different names. They okay. are different names. So because the oh. show is fictional, the movie is based on a book. So yeah, the show is is based on the movie, but it's in a fictional place with fictional characters. Got it. Yeah. So, Kyle Chandler. During the show, he worked as a volunteer firefighter. He worked 24 hours a week at his local firehouse without telling the cast and crew. And in 2011, he taped two local PSAs urging viewers to become volunteer firefighters. 
Hmm. Minka Kelly was actually working in a plastic surgery clinic when she was cast as Lila Garrity. And basically, in between her auditions, she worked as a scrub nurse in which she prepped women for their lip and breast implants. She dated Derek Jeter. Minka Kelly did. Yeah. So she's come a long way from prepping women for Mm -hmm. implants and such to dating Derek Jeter. Yeah, and then so then Tom Arnold, pretty popular guy, he helped save the series. So this show almost got canceled, sadly, after season two, which would have really sucked because the final three seasons are amazing. So Tom Arnold, he he single-handedly arranged a dinner in order for DirecTV and NBC to partner together for future plans pertaining to the show. So what happened is the show would air on DirecTV live, and a few months later it would then air on NBC as a result of that. But if you had DirecTV, you could see it then. Hmm. So love this show, if you yeah. can't tell. I'm very excited. So not all the actors could play football. Guys Charles who played Brian Smash Williams, wasn't a very skilled football player. However, Michael B. Jordan, who played Vince Howard, was known for having great quarterbacking skills. And Taylor Kitsch had played hockey for 20 years before starring on the show and was also a noted athlete. So they were athletic, but they weren't necessarily all football athletes. Yeah, and this is a Michael B. Jordan before fame, before Black Panther and all these movies is in now. This is kind of one of his first roles, and he is amazing in this show. He really does a good job. Have you seen the Creed films yet? Yes, I've seen the first one, and I really enjoyed oh, it. Oh, man, so. the second one's even better. Is it? I'll have to check it out. Well. I always I always like this when you have a show about high school students, but most of the Dylan High students were not teenagers in real life. So when the series started on October 3rd, 2006, Jesse Plemons, who plays Landry Clark, was 18, and Amy Teagarden, who plays Julie Taylor, was 17. However... We've already mentioned Minka Kelly. She was 26. Taylor Kitsch was 25, and he played a sophomore at 25. Zach Guilford was 24, and Adrian Palicki, Tyra Collette, was 23. So you have all these mid-20s people playing high school students, which happens a lot in, uh, in movies. I mean, you think about Rachel McAdams. In 2004, she was in Mean Girls. 2005, she's in Wedding Crashers. So, I mean, yeah, it happens, but... It's interesting. Yeah. Well, sometimes the ages don't really matter as long as they're portraying the character. Yeah. Well, so here's a fun trivia. I just watched this yesterday. I was watching a Star Wars documentary. Nerding out. Perfect. How old do you think Carrie Fisher was when filming the first Star Wars movie? Is this just a guess? Because when l- she l- died... Let, okay. me ask, let me actually ask you the better question. Like, who do you think was the oldest and the youngest in the middle? I would say Harrison Ford is the oldest. Yep. Probably. He was 33. She couldn't have been that old. I would say she's the, the middle one, or she's the youngest. She's the youngest. And Hamill's the middle. Yep, and so Mark Hamill was 24, and Carrie Fisher was 19. Wow. it's a pretty big gap. I wouldn't yeah. have thought Harrison Ford was 14 years older than her. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, some Star Wars, an homage to Star Wars. You know, I, and the age thing doesn't bother me. I, I, I Just real quick tangent. The one thing it does bother me in films is that when there's like a, a, a countdown, like a 15 seconds till something blows up or until something happens, right? And then the action you see on the screen is clearly 30 or 40 or even a minute long. Yeah. Just say it's a minute until yeah. the ca- – I don't understand that. I agree with that. It like you're watching TV, like watching a game, and there's like 15 seconds left in the game, and there's like well, – how, how is this like five minutes of movie time? Yeah. Yes. Uh, I'm sorry. It's just a real pet peeve of mine. Anyway. Yes. One thing – one last thing we should say about this film is that 
uh, Dylan's Panthers are based on Permian High School in Odessa, Texas, who won this Texas state championship in the 4A classification, which is the state's largest until 1980, in 1965 and 1972. And they also won the 5A classification in 1980, 84, when they were co-champions, 89, and 1991. So a big-time winning program there in Texas. So in the thoughts, this is one of my all-time favorite shows. Listeners, you know I'm a romantic kind of guy. My wife and I watch this show together, and literally, in the show, there's a football coach, and then his wife is better than him, and she starts off as a counselor, but she becomes a principal, which is like mine and my wife's life story right now. My wife is smarter than me, better than me. I love you. I hope you're listening. And agreed. That's both agreed yes. on this, this part. And I'm a football coach, so... It's just, it's got a great theme song. I tried to make it the song that we walked out to in our wedding, like when we got to our reception, but the, the DJ wouldn't do it. So I love this show. That quote is phenomenal, very inspirational. Yeah, I actually watched the quote and, and I was a big fan of it. I didn't, I've never watched the, this whole show, but I have seen the movie. And I also really love Kyle Chandler, especially from Bloodline, which is just a great show. Even though you hated it after season one and swore it off. Oh. I still remember your Facebook post. Sorry, Bloodline, you've lost me. When you... It's because I thought, ugh, I don't want to ruin it. We don't want to spoil it, but yes. Ben Mendelsohn is amazing in that show, and I thought he wouldn't be involved anymore. Yeah. But he was. So I... I wish it had gone on for a couple more seasons, because they canceled it too early. Because they had to rush in that last season. I yeah. Think. I do think it was probably time to go, only because the way that it was happening... It, I was getting kind of... T- anyway, that's that's for another conversation. Yeah. We've talked about Bloodline before. Yeah, I love that show. Let's move on to you. What's your next quote? Yeah, so, you know, my two quotes, I think, paint a picture of the way media portrays Americans or America, like the dichotomy between mm-hmm. it. So the first one was very positive. Hopefully everyone remembers that, that I am a positive pro-American person. This quote, however, speaks slightly... In the opposite, but I actually think it speaks more to the whole purpose of this speech and, and, and really the, the movie, the show itself is to, it's a commentary on media and way, the ways that media are maybe failing regular everyday people. Jeff Daniels says this, he plays Will in the TV show, The Newsroom. Here's the quote, it is a long one, so bear with me. If you have time to actually watch this, maybe on YouTube or even just watch the show, it happens in like the first 15 minutes of the show. Check it out. So here's the quote. He's asked, why is America the greatest country in the world? And he says, it's not the greatest country in the world, professor. That's my answer. The NEA is a loser. Yeah, it accounts for a penny out of our paychecks, but he gets to hit you with it anytime he wants. He's pointing to the, the, the conservative um, lobbyists. Or, or, yeah, a lobbyist on the panel there. It doesn't cost money. It costs votes. It costs airtime and column inches. You know why people don't like liberals? Because they lose. If liberals are so effing smart, how come they lose so goddamn always? And he turns the panel and says, and with a straight face, you're going to tell students that America is so star-spangled awesome that we're the only ones in the world who have freedom? Canada has freedom. Japan has freedom. The UK, France, Italy, Germany, Spain, Australia, Belgium has freedom. 207 sovereign states in the world, like 180 of them have freedom. And you, sorority girl, yeah, just in case you accidentally wander into a voting booth one day, there are some things you should know. 
And one of them is that there is absolutely no evidence to support the statement that we're the greatest country in the world. We're seventh in literacy, 27th in math, 22nd in science, 49th in life expectancy, 178th in infant mortality, third in medium household income, number four in labor, labor force, and number four in exports. We lead the world in only three categories, number of incarcerated citizens per capita, number of adults who believe angels are real, and defense spending, where we spend more than the next 26 countries combined. 25 of them are allies. None of this is the fault of a 20-year-old college student, but you, nonetheless, are without a doubt a member of the worst period, generation period, ever period. So when you ask me what makes us the greatest country in the world, and I don't know what the F you're talking about, Yosemite, we sure used to be. We stood up for what was right. We fought for moral reasons. We passed and struck down laws for moral reasons. We waged wars on, on poverty, not poor people. We sacrificed we cared about our neighbors. We put our money where our mouths were, and we never beat our chest. We built great big things, made ungodly technological advances, explored the universe, cured diseases, and cultivated the world's greatest artists and the world's greatest economy. We reached for the stars, and we acted like men. We aspired to intelligence. We didn't belittle it. It didn't make us feel inferior. We didn't identify ourselves by who we voted for in the last election, and we didn't scare so easy. And we were able to, to be all of these things and to do all of these things because we were informed. By great men, men who were revered. The first step in solving any problem is recognizing there is one. America is not the greatest country in the world anymore. Long quote. You know, not to get political on this on this podcast because I do have students who listen. But it sounds like this writer may be a fan of Donald Trump. Make America great again. We used to be, and he'd probably freak out because I guarantee you the writer is not a Trump fan. <laughs> but he's saying. We're not great anymore, but we used to be amazing. So now you look at it, and he's saying, oh, no, we were great before, but not anymore. He'd probably freak out if somebody told him that right now, I would think. Aaron Sorkin is not a Trump fan, I can guarantee that. And, and I don't think that's the whole point of this speech. I think it's we'll – we'll get into that in a little yeah. bit. There's a lot of things that are going on in this speech, and really this show, and honestly everything he's done as well. It's, it's a lot of commentary on certain things. Sure, there's political undertones, but there are also a lot of other things that – I look at it as possible motivation to improve. And I, I, well, we'll talk later. But background. This is an HBO series that debuted June 24th, 2012. It had three, the- three, seasons, three seasons through 2014. And it was created, as Justin said, by Aaron Sorkin, which is the West Wing social network and a few good men. Yeah, it stars Jeff Daniels as Will McAvoy. And we all probably know Je- Je- Jeff Daniels from Dumb and Dumber, also in Speed. Emily Mortimer is Mackenzie McHale. She was recently in Mary Poppins Returns. John Gallagher Jr. is Jim Harper, who starred in 10 Cloverfield Lane. Allison Pill is Maggie Jordan. She was in Goon and Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Thomas Satiskim as Don Kiefer, who was in John Wick. (laughs) John Wick. That one, that movie, those movies are really popular. I haven't seen them. I need to. Oh. Dev Patel is Neil Sampot, and he was from Slumdog Millionaire. Olivia Munn. As Sloane, who's from X-Men Apocalypse, she plays Psylocke. And Sam Watterson is Charlie Skinner from Law & Order. Yeah, and so the plot is a news team attempts to create a news show that reports the news in an ethical and reasonable way. Yeah, so just to break this speech down, first of all, I mean, there's, there's a lot of assertions that are made. Number one, it's not the greatest country in the world. Who Plus. else might be? What is the criteria? I was asked. I think it's such a it's such a hard arbitrary thing to say. I think you're going to fight with a lot of people 
on who's the greatest. I think you're going to get people that say one place is good, one place is bad. I will say that a lot of people still come to America. They're still fighting to get into America. So I think that's something you would have to look at and say, well, why, why, are we, why do so many people still want to come here if it is so bad? I don't think anyone's saying yeah. it's bad. I think the problem is is that when you when people make a, a statement like that, people automatically assume is it one way or the other. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't mean that we're not an amazing country still, mm-hmm. but people say like we're the best country in the world. I mean so I, I found a really good article, it was on US News and they, they really did like a really, really detailed ranking basically of countries and they broke it down into things like and it's even more detailed than these major categories, but it has to do with citizenship, cultural influence, heritage like movers and shakers, business, power, quality of life, entrepreneurship, and adventure. And we're number eight on the list, according to this ranking, which is, I think, pretty fantastic. But there are other countries that are maybe doing certain things a little bit better. Countries like Switzerland, Canada, Germany, UK, Sweden, Australia. I don't think that means that we're bad. I just think that to say that we're the best, it's worth just having a you know, real honest look at kind of what are some things that people think about us or what are the ways we can improve as a country? That's, that's, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think we could sit and argue all day about those countries that you just listed off and some reasons why they are not very good to live in too, but we won't do that in this episode. I think America, I think every country can always improve. We're kind of straying out of the nerd aspect <laughs> here. Of our, I think this, uh, this speech kind of lends itself to it. Yeah. Uh, assertion number two, we lead the world in only three categories, number of incarcerated citizens, number of adults to believe angels are real, and defense spending. So I can just factually tell you that two of these are definitely correct. We have a U.S. prison population of over 2 million people, which is per 100,000, 737 people, which is more than any other country, including Russia and China. Um, and we also spend a ton of money on defense. These aren't bad things. These are just, these are just facts. Yeah. I thought, I, you, I thought you'd want to comment on the angel thing. Why well, don't I definitely do? Yeah. I definitely do. So yeah, actually I found another really good article that talks about like, this isn't a bad thing. And there are 80% mm-hmm. of people in the U S right now believe that there is some type of higher power. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then d- defense spending, a lot of that stems back to the cold war. Sure. And still paying for all those countries in NATO. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Assertion number three, we no longer build great big things. I'm going to name a few great big things we've, we've built recently. We've got the Freedom Tower. We've got the Particle Accelerator. We've got just a ton. The, what is it called? The Very Large Array Massive Radio Astronomy Observatory. The Gold Positioning System. The Hubble Space Telegraph or te- Telescope. So we build, we build good things still. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think that was kind of... Yeah, I'm not a fan of that. I, I hear people say that a lot, and we'll get more into that in a couple minutes. But yeah, the Freedom Tower itself, to see that being built, was just incredible as it went up. And yeah, Have you visited it? I have not. It's on the uh, list. My amazing. wife has. I have not. It's amazing. Assertion number four, we no longer explore the universe. Of nine successful Mars missions, seven were launched by the U.S., so I think that we're, we're on our way. Yeah, for sure. Uh, second to last, we no longer make extraordinary technological advances. This, this to me, is just a stupid statement. This is... Yeah, and, and this was a few years ago, but and we can just talk about, like, just tech companies, Amazon, Facebook. Yeah, the social media aspect, Twitter, you know, all this stuff that just, just being able to Skype, that's yeah. happened in the last 25 years. You know, all this stuff that we live in a, a period which is, like, the most technologically advanced of all time, and a lot of that 
comes from American companies, Chinese companies, so it's other countries as well, but Facebook, Twitter, those are all American companies, and that that connects people throughout the world. So that's, yeah. Yeah. And lastly, number six, we no longer cure diseases. I think we do. I just think we have a large pharma influence Mm -hmm. that is challenging. The medical industry, God, we could have podcasts about every one of these statements Point being is that I think this is maybe not 100% accurate, but there is a lot of pharmaceutical agencies that have a, an impact or a, a, an influence on what we can do. Yeah. So, so thoughts. We, we, you can kind of tell where we both are standing on a lot of these yeah, things. I just, I, we don't need to go into like no. all this detail and have an argument. When I watched, I watched one episode, I, just, I can't, and this goes for if it's conservative or liberal. I just, I, when I watch something that is so one-sided, it's hard for me to take it seriously. It's hard. That's why it's hard for me to watch different, like CNN or Fox News. I like both sides to be represented. And it's hard for me when I'm watching something, when I know that the person is very steeped in their beliefs. And I know watching Hollywood is going to be mainly steeped to the, to the left. It's hard for me to really enjoy watching it when I feel like I'm being preached at and there's only one side that is presented. So I, I totally agree with you. I would say, just to challenge you, this is kind of back to the I, when I asked or said earlier, like, remember that statement. You've only seen an episode. Yeah. So, like... I'll be honest with you. My main thing comes from watching that speech, and that really frustrated me, seeing that speech. Right. And that's and, fine. And I think that what you need to think about, though, is that he's a very... If you watch the show, he is a very... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like... He's a person, a character that really struggles, and he's dealing with a lot of inner demons. But I think if you if you step back from his comments, I think the last couple sentences he says, I think is what the show is about, and it is it is more about we need to have a media that is not politically biased, mm-hmm. like we used to. And there's so much corporate influence now in media and the way that that news is presented. Like you just said, Fox News, we associate that with Republicans, right? Mm-hmm. You can say. NBC, MSNBC, and CNN all have their own political affiliations in our brains, and that's why we don't feel like news is getting reported as it should be, unbiased, and just. And that's because of the 24-hour news cycle. Mm-hmm. It's because a lot of these companies are owned, or these news outlets are owned by large corporations. So that's that's honestly what the show is a lot about. And yes, it definitely it's got Aaron Sorkin yeah, as the so creator because West Wing's a very one-sided. Sure. Show. Yeah. Yeah. It's and, definitely more democratic. Absolutely. But I, but I Not think that I'm endorsing or one side or the other. Students, if you're listening, just know that. But if you step back from it, I think what you what you would notice, and if you do watch more of it, ignore the the possible political biasness of certain stories they're covering and comments by the people. I think what it is is more of a it's a reflection on the media system and how it needs to be better. Yeah. So that's my soapbox. You guys turned in for a nerd podcast, and you got. You got a little depth in this podcast for once. See, we so. we don't just read Lestat books and yeah. watch Friday Night Lights. Yeah. You ought to see my reading list right now. Well, so what's funny is let's transition now to a very nerdy nerdy quote, yes, our final quote of the day. we are getting back to our roots on this quote right here. What's our quote? Our quote is from Aragorn, Aragorn in Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King at the Black Gates. <clears throat> Hold your ground. Hold your ground. Sons of Gondor, of Rohan, my brothers, I see in your eyes the same fear that would take the heart of me. A day may come when the courage of men fails, 
when we forsake our friends and break all bonds of fellowship. But it is not this day, an hour of wolves and shattered shields, when the age of men comes crashing down. But it is not this day, this day we fight. By all that you hold dear on this good earth, I bid you stand, men of the West. He, he says, like, but it is not this day. He says, yeah. like, very, like, sarcastic, yes. snide white yeah. lies. Uh, I just love I love it. So yes. just background real quick. This is, this is based on the book Return of the King by J.R. Tolkien. Third movie of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And it was directed by Peter Jackson, who also directed all the other Lord of the Ring movies, the whole Hobbit series, and also King Kong. What were your thoughts, just briefly, on The Hobbit? I kind of enjoyed those movies. They weren't as good as Lord of the Rings, but I enjoyed watching them. Especially the, the last movie, the Battle of Five Armies. I really liked watching. I thought they were great. I think that, honestly, what they did was they really stretched out one book. One book. One they, children's book, even. It was like a very small part of Tolkien's universe. Yeah, well, it was actually the first book he wrote. Yeah. And they, they were able to stretch it, because Hollywood, and move money into three films. Um but I think they did a really good job with it. I, I, I was entertained the whole time, and I like mm-hmm. Benedict Cumberbatch, and he's the you know he's the dragon. Yeah, which is which is great. Yeah. Okay. So these this movie stars Elijah Wood as Frodo, Ian McClellan McKellen as Gandalf, Sean Astin as Sam, Viggo Mortensen as Aragorn who gave the speech, and then Orlando Bloom as Legolas. Andy Serkis and Elijah Wood were actually each given prop rings by Peter Jackson used in the movie. They both thought they had the, the only one, but they didn't. The dead elephant carcass used in this movie is reportedly the largest prop ever built for a movie. According to members of the prop department, director Peter Jackson still thought it could have been bigger. Hmm. The giant elephant. Elijah Wood is noted for his ability to stare fixed, fixedly in front of him for ages without blinking. I did not know that about Elijah Wood came in very useful for the scenes where the comatose Frodo was wrapped up in, I always say this wrong, Shelob's web-like cocoon. Is that how you say it? Shelob? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I always say the big, the giant spider. The giant spider is what I call it, too, for sure. So the last spoken line of the movie, well, I'm back, is also the last line of the book. Have you read the books? I have not read the I've books. I've read them all. Yes. So what's interesting, you asked that question earlier, how do I think that the films were? The books are really simple. And, and what I mean by that is this... I think the amazing part of the of the movies is how grand it is and the scenery and the mm-hmm. backgrounds. That's not necessarily it's described slightly. I feel like that they did a really great job, the screenwriters and the director, of really adding so much more depth to the characters, to the story, to this the, the scenery. It was pretty great. So and then I wanna add something on that as well. A normal movie averages about two hundred visual effects shots. This movie had almost fifteen hundred, one thousand four hundred and eighty eight. It's crazy. Yeah, and so this trilogy became the most nominated film franchise in Academy Award history with 30 nominations, surpassing the Godfather trilogy, 28, and the Star Wars film franchise, which had 21. Yeah. The scene where Frodo gets pierced by Shelob, we just mentioned her, he had two Alka-Seltzer uh, tablets hidden under his tongue, which he chewed and made this like white foam come out of the corner of his mouth. And then, you know, the horses were owned by the production company, were placed up to auction for the cast, and Viggo Mortensen purchased two horses, one he rode for most of the movie and one for Liv Tyler's riding double. So just kind of overall thoughts about the film, the quote, 
the quote I just love, you know, it's, it's one of those ones, again, that has me ready to run through a wall. If I still played football, I'd probably listen to this quote on YouTube before I, uh, I started going out and playing. But the, the trilogy is one of my all-time favorites. It's, it's my second all-time favorite behind the Bourne Identity and the Bourne Trilogy movies. So I, I love the trilogy. Yeah. I, I'm a big fan of this trilogy as well. Star Wars is definitely my favorite, mm-hmm. the original. But this one's right up there. It's, and the quote really just shows it's about like overcoming adversity. Mm-hmm. They have no sh- chance of winning this battle. And he knows it. And they all know it. But they're like, you know what? Let's do it anyway. And We're going to sacrifice ourselves for the greater good. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So it's great. Yeah. It's an awesome movie. So Cool. Well, everyone got a real treat today. Yeah. A little bit longer than normal, but we really died. We dug in. We, we dug into some, some topics yeah. for sure. A little bit of nerd outreach. First of all, thank yous. As always, I would like to thank the fans for listening. Thanks for tuning in and all your feedback constantly. It's been fantastic. Yeah, and then, of course, I have to thank my wife and daughter for allowing me to be up here and be away from you guys. I love you. Justin's yep. rolling his eyes. No, it's yeah. very cute. Jan, I think Justin does love you if you're listening. He just doesn't like to give shout-outs is a problem. That's right. I do love her, yes. Okay, right, I was conti- waiting to say. Continue. I was like, yes, all right. <laughs> so, future show suggestions, if you have them, send them in the Nerd is a New Cool Podcast at gmail.com or use on the socials hashtag Nerd is a New Cool Podcast. And as always, if you'd like to contact us directly, definitely like us on Facebook, Instagram, at Nerd is the New Cool Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter as well, at Nerd is the New CO2. Listen to us on any platforms, wherever you're listening to this. Those include Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and, of course, SoundCloud. Just search Nerd is the New Cool Podcast. You can find us. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Have a good day. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.